much for coming back this week. Last week when we kicked off a message series called Unfinished, and it's our strategy as a church to help uh, push back against the fact that eight out of 10 people in Omaha don't go to church. And we don't want anybody in our city, in our state, in our country, in our world to go to hell. And so we're going to work super hard against all that stuff, right? And so we kicked it off last weekend when we talked about uh, what we're going to do on our Omaha campus. We're building a 20,000 square foot building with 1,500 seats, and it'll go right over here. And uh, we're in the process of developing that and putting that together, and construction will start in July of 2019. But uh, we're not finished with uh, our our campus here, and uh, our, our work in our city, in our state, in our nation as well. So this is week number two, so thanks for coming back. And what this is today is our, um, our strategy as well as a church that is motivated by really a story that Jesus tells. And you probably know this story, even if like, hey, I haven't been to church for a while, you've heard of this story, or at least kind of the title of it. Uh, is the story of the prodigal son. It's about a boy who and a dad. Actually, it's about two boys and their dad, right? And so uh, this is an incredible story that Jesus tells. And it, he tells this story because people are bothered by the fact that Jesus um, hangs out with sinful people. Now, you wouldn't think that'd be a problem, but it was. They didn't like the fact that he ate and drank with sinners. And so he tells them, here's why I'm on the planet. I have come to seek and to save the lost. And so to illustrate that, he tells a few stories. And one of the stories is the story about a dad and his sons. And if you have, uh, like, if, you, if you're a parent and your kids are uh, about the age where they're starting to leave, you can, you can relate to this. Or the age of where you want them to leave, uh, you can relate to this. So this boy, the youngest boy, says to his dad, I would like you to give me my inheritance now. I don't want to wait until you die. I'm young. I'm um, ready. And uh, I want to I I do life now, right? And so, um, and, and again, this is weird because all the, all the people listening to that story were going to go, I'm pretty sure I know what the answer is. Um, no. That would be the answer, right? Every father would have said, you know what? That's a great idea. No. Uh-uh, I'm not giving you any money. You're not ready for that. You're not prepared for that. You're too immature. You're too dumb. You're too wild. You're just too, right? And so you're not going to get this now. So um, no. It, but the surprising thing is that Jesus tells a story. He says he divides up his estate between his two boys. So both boys get right? I mean, and I don't know if it's half or whatever. Usually the older boy would get most of it, but as rightly it should. I'm the firstborn. And so, um, but he divides it up probably evenly. And the younger boy heads off. He just goes. He's heading to Vegas, man. Woohoo! I'm on to Vegas. And he's got all the money and all the time in the world to do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, with whoever he wants to do it, right? And that's a great, that he truly believed this is going to be a great, great life. But it doesn't take long for him to blow through the money, and he tries all kinds of different things. He, I mean, he's just living life, and he's not a good manager, right, of his resources, and, he, and the economy goes bad. Everything, it's the perfect storm, everything goes bad. And he finds himself in a problem. 
Here it is, Luke chapter 15, verse 17. It says, when he, I love this, right? When he finally comes to his senses, <laughs> it's like, right? Two by four, overhead, this is it. He came to his senses, and he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare. And here I am, I'm dying of hunger. So he's in trouble, right? And it says that he comes to his senses. By the way, all of us have to get to that spot sometime. I mean, you might be doing pretty well with life. Um, and I'm not saying you're gonna have to hit rock bottom. It's like, you, you know, some, some of you will have to bottom out before you come to your senses. I don't want you to get to that spot. But you'll have to get, if, if you don't get to your senses any other way, right, it's the two by four thing. Many of us in the room would go, that's what it took for me. It took hitting rock bottom. And so here's this boy, he's at rock bottom. He, is no, he can't get any lower than he is. He got a job feeding pigs. For a good young Jewish boy, that's horrible. He can't, you, can't, you, you can't do worse than that. And he is so hungry, he wants to eat what he's feeding pigs. Anybody here a pig farmer? I'm guessing that the food you throw at a pig ain't no buffet, right? You're like, hey, let's go to that pig farm place. I want to eat some of that stuff. No. It's like stewed tomatoes, I'm guessing. You ever had stewed tomatoes? I hate stewed tomatoes. (laughs) Or boiled spinach. My mom loved, she thought we should eat boiled spinach all the time in vinegar. Mom, you wouldn't even feed this to a pig. (sighs) I don't know why I thought that. So here he is. It says he finally comes to his senses and he decides to make his way home. I can't be a son anymore. I'll be a servant. Uh, That's better than what I'm doing now. And he says this, I have sinned both against my father and against my God. So he realizes that what he did was sinful. And he is gonna go return home. You can almost see everybody nodding in agreement. Yep, he completely blew off the commandment, honor your father and mother. So the 10 commandments, right, the 10 big deals, This is one of them, and they all took it seriously. So for a son to disrespect his dad this way was way out of bounds. He's not allowed to be a a son anymore. Love this verse, Luke 15, 20. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long ways off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him, which probably everybody went, what? Why would he run to, first of all, why would he run to his son? Why wouldn't he make his son crawl? Why wouldn't he make his son beg for forgiveness? Why would he run? And why is he filled with compassion? See, the proper response to sin is not judgment. It's compassion. I think we miss that. We judge rather than run. We're more like this than like this. 
Romans chapter 5, verse 6. The Apostle Paul writes these great words, when we were utterly helpless, like a kid who's feeding pigs. Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinful people. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us while by, by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners, while we were still at the pig farm. See, before the boy even starts home, before the boy even starts for home, grace is available to him. He doesn't even know it. His father, my guess is, his father has already decided, I will forgive, I will forgive. All I want, all I want is for him to come home. All I, that's all I want. Before you even make your way back to God, he has already said, I will forgive. I will forgive everything. All I want, all I want is for you to come home. My fear is we're much more like the older boy who's got a problem with this whole story. See, I want, I want, my, life, I, I want my life to be way more filled with compassion than judgment. I want our church to be that way. Unfortunately, I feel like sometimes we we. we we, oh, I can't forgive that. And not forgiving you. We need to start running. We need to start running to people who are finding their way back to God. Here's Luke chapter 15, verse 21. His son said to his dad, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said, here it is, this is great. But it's, and, and it all hinges here. But the father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house, put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill that calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For the son of mine was dead and now is alive. He was lost, now he's found. And perhaps I think some of the greatest words ever in scripture. Let's get this party started. Right, there it is. Let the party begin. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants, what's going on? Your brother is back. Your father killed that fatted calf. We, we're celebrating because of a safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, begged him. All these years I've slaved for you and never once you refused to do a single thing, uh, never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. All that time you never gave me one of the young goats for a feast with my friends, yet this son of yours comes back squandering your money on prostitutes. You celebrate by killing the fatted calf? His father said, look, dear son, I, I, you've always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and come back to life. He was lost. Now he's found. 
you catch the other brother? A little bothered by his baby brother. I've never messed up. I, I've kept the commandments. I've done the right thing. I'm, I'm a good boy. I've never, dis, I never disrespected you. And this good for nothing son of yours wants to come home. And you're letting him come home and throwing him a party as if nothing ever happened? As if, as if, why would you do that? I mean, he's, he's turned from being frustrated, maybe disappointed with his brother to absolutely disgusted by his dad now. How dare you do this? This is what is really at the heart of Stonebridge. We believe our number one priority as a church is to run to people who are far from God. We should throw parties all the time. Acts chapter one, verse eight, this is our marching orders. We talked about this from last week and about um, why we're doing what we're doing. This is Jesus talking to us. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. So this is what we're supposed to do. We are to tell people about Jesus everywhere. And he says, start in Jerusalem, then go through Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So last weekend we talked about our Jerusalem, which is the Omaha campus. This is where we're at, right? And, uh, you know, 12 years ago we moved out to this campus. We were in Omaha and we began to fill this place up. And, and we kept adding services and doing different things. And about uh, eight, nine years into the deal, we plateaued at a number in which we, it's like, well, we don't have enough room here anymore. And our space had filled up at the 9.30 and 11 o'clock services, which is our prime time. We added an 8 o'clock. We added a 6 o'clock. We added our services in our commons. And, and uh, we plateaued. We, we knew we, we were facing this, and we didn't know what to do. Conversation began to say, like, what should we do now? You know, we, we can't be done here. So we looked at building a new building and adding more space here on our Omaha campus, and that just didn't seem feasible. Like, we didn't have the horsepower to pull that off. We begin to investigate, well, maybe we should plant a church, or maybe we should do a, a new multi-site thing, and our elder board decided, let's, let's move forward with multi-site. Lots of churches were doing that, big and small churches throughout the country, not, though not a lot of people in Omaha were doing it, but we decided, to, hey, let's move forward with that. Multi-site is just basically saying, hey, let's take what we got here and start it over here. It's kind of like McDonald's, right? It's like, there's not one big honking McDonald's. There's lots of little, like, in fact, they're, they're, they're basically the same thing wherever you're at. Why? Because they have fries. So you, I was like, you got, right? Do you ever get like kind of a hankering for a French fries? Man. Or Big Mac. Man, it's so tempting, right? And so you know, like if you go to the McDonald's, you know, out here, you know, that it's gonna be the, the, the McDonald's is gonna be the same in Omaha as it is in Wichita. So if you're driving through Wichita, hey, look at them, there's McDonald's. Oh, okay, let's stop. Right? Why? Because you know, right? They care about, so that, that just made sense for us is that we could build more big, bigger building here, but what if we decided to expand ourselves out into our Judea? We didn't know where that was. We thought it was gonna be Benson. It wasn't. Doors kept getting closed there. We found a wonderful building in Millard. 
It was really incredible. 10,000 square foot building, it really was a mess. Uh, we, it was a, a bread store and a Hallmark store. And uh, when we walked in there, lots of things were falling apart and there was mouse traps everywhere. Sorry, uh, Millard people. We, it's all better now, but I mean, but it was just perfect for us. Today, they'll have over 300 people there, a third of them under fifth grade, unstinking believable. Isn't that great? Where two years ago they weren't there, nobody was going to church there except for the mice. That was it. There's the only mice, mice attended there. And then a year after we launched that campus, a building in Fremont, that had been a dream of ours for a long time. One of the reasons why there's not been a church of our denomination there for, for decades. We talked about starting churches there. For some reason, it never took off. We never could get anything launched. Everything kind of just fell apart. 27,000 people lived there, an incredible university there. It it just made sense. Lots of people are growing. And now uh, that campus opened a year ago, and uh, 300 people will be there this weekend as well. So we want you to see what's happening next. Take a look at uh, the video. in a small community, we didn't have access to a church of our choice. Um, Pretty established other denominations in the smaller town that just didn't really fit our younger family that we were looking for. We wanted an established youth group and something that our kids could go and be a part of and grow in their faith as they continued to attend church there. Our multi-site campuses in Millard and Fremont have helped spread our mission beyond our Omaha campus. They provide live worship, video teaching, and secure kids ministry areas for our families in these communities. And each campus was 90% self-sufficient within the first two years. We're trusting God to lead us to launch campuses and locations where a number of Stonebridge people already live or in larger cities in Nebraska that need a Christian church. greatest things about having a multi-site campus is that we still have the resources of a large church. We still have the same teaching and preaching available, the same children's ministry options available, but we are in a smaller setting, so we are able to form those friendships and see those same people every single week and make those friends. The multi-site in Fremont has allowed this large church to now have this small feel and have this strong connection with almost everybody in church. So the intimacy is there, not only in our Sunday services, but also in our small group. We're having such a wonderful, deep, strong relationship building experience in our small group. I think that's directly connected to the small size and intimacy that we see here in the church as a whole. We know that launching additional campuses will give us a broader reach to raise more leaders, baptize more believers, mobilize more volunteers, transform more hearts, and fulfill our God-given mission. And we are waiting on God's guidance for where we are to go next. 
Join with us as we continue the work in our state. There is a freshness and an energy that comes along with the community that you feel within Stonebridge Church. And I can't wait to see moving forward what more we're going to be able to do. Can't wait to see what God's going to do in the next couple years. <laughs> this has been an interesting ride. <laughs> it certainly has been an interesting ride. And so we're super excited to let you know that our next campus will be in Benson, Nebraska. And we purchased a building. It's a million-dollar project. And we're renovating. We're knocking walls down and, uh, and tearing out drywall and, and hauling junk everywhere into dumpsters. And it's just going to be incredible. It's 22,000 square feet building. Uh, there's no parking, <laughs> barely, kind of, sort of. But uh, it is in the heart of Benson. There's 200,000 people that live within a five-mile radius of that campus. And eight out of 10 are not going to church today. That little community there is vibrant, it's growing, it's, it's just uh, the city of Omaha has poured lots of money in there, lots of businesses are opening. If you've ever, you don't have to raise your hand, but if you've ever been to Benson on a Saturday night, billions of people are there. It's just filled with folks and it is just the music scene and the bar scene, everybody's happy, it is a great, great time. Now, We've been looking for buildings in Benson for several years now. And every time we walk into a business that's trying to sell their building, or uh, uh, whether it's a bar or a furnace shop or something there, every single one of them that says, please come. We don't need any more bars here. We need a church. And so in the fall of 2019, we will launch Stonebridge Benson, and we are hoping that you will consider being a part of it. We need you to do that. In fact, we need to send 150 people from our Omaha campus there to launch that campus. The larger our launch team will be, the healthier that birth will be, and we know that the most important growing years of a new campus was in the first couple of years. If we only send 100 people out there, it's gonna be a little tougher, but if we can send 150 people off of our Omaha campus, that's a great start. Because we're going to need people who can teach Sunday school classes and greet people at the door and uh, play the guitar and uh, work with their student ministries. It's all and youth, all that stuff. We we need people to do that. Here's what's going to happen here: when we send 150 people there, we still have another year before we open up our Omaha campus. We will backfill that 150 people within about two or three months, easily. We did that with Fremont, and we did that with with uh, Miller. It's just, we just know it's gonna happen. And that's why we need to do this now. We still are two years away from opening that building here on this campus. Would we just sit idly by going, well, we'll just wait. And the friends of ours who are far from God, we're not gonna run after them anymore. We're, we will in two years, we'll run after them, but, but we can't do that here. We're just not, that's unacceptable. In your program today, there's a little card there that I had one. Oh, yeah, here it is. It says, Stonebridge Benson, I'm interested. Now, if you are interested at all, put your name on there, an email, I, the, the one your mama gave you, right? Don't use somebody else's name. Put your name on there. 
right? So put your name on there, email. And this is not obligating you to do anything. It just means I'm interested. I'm interested. Some of you are, your heart's beating faster. You're an early adopter. You're all in. It's like, hey, wherever we're going, I'm going, right? I don't care where it is, whatever we're doing, count me in. And we know we got some folks who are already, they've already signed up. Now, if you live east of 680, you live in the Benson area, I'd like you to fill this out. Just, you're just going to get in. We're not making you go. We need you to go. Your friends and family that live in Benson need you to go. And we want to send 150 people away. We already know who those are. We've picked them out. <laughs> and some of you will be getting a letter actually this week <laughs> from me personally asking you to go away. Actually, we do need to send our very best. Our very best Sunday school teachers, our very best musicians and singers and greeters. We want to send our very best away so that we might be able to launch a campus there. But that's not the end of the deal. We truly believe that uh, we are called to be a, a church that will reach out into our communities all throughout Nebraska. In the rural communities, uh, and you know this, if you grew up out, in, you know, outside of Omaha or Lincoln, they're struggling. Drugs and alcohol are a constant temptation for young people. There's just nothing to do. Schools are closing or consolidating. Churches are dwindling. And we think we might be able to help with that. Right now in the state of Nebraska, here's some, here's some uh, communities that don't have a church of our denomination in them. Let's see if I can remember them. I'm all messed up. Oh, here we go. Beatrice and Blair, Nebraska City, York, Seward, Crete, Schuyler, Holdridge, Wahoo, Waverly. Those are just the ones that I was able to come across pretty easily. But I could have said, Fort Calhoun, Valley, Springfield. All right? There's work to be done. And we will go anywhere. We will, we will run after anybody we can. All the time people say, hey, Mark, can you come here? Can you, what about here? What, what about this community? And we're like, what? Yeah, yeah, so my folks come in all the time. They visit us. They love Stonebridge. And they would totally go to your church if you could plant one in Lincoln. We totally would do that. I'm like, really? Like, yeah. And okay. And all right, where, where should we go next? You know that in North Dakota, there's one church of our denomination in the entire state of North Dakota. My guess is that no church planter is thinking, hey, Fargo sounds great. Let's go to Fargo. Every church planter I know and been around, they go, let's go to Nashville. Let's go to San Diego. Let's go to Vail. Because as a church planter, you get to choose, really. Hey, I'm not, go I'm not going to Bismarck. I think we should go there. Right now in the state of North Dakota, there are eight cities, over 20,000 people, and only one church of our denomination here. I added that up, 377,000 people 
in those towns alone. So maybe you know of a building in North Dakota. We could almost say the same thing for South Dakota and Wyoming. All right, so there's work to be done. Are you interested? It's going to take money and people who are willing to run after lost people. Let's pray. Oh, man. Thanks for putting us in this church where lost people matter, where they can find a place. Maybe there's some of us in the room here today um, that need to come home. We're just not so sure that you would have open arms. After all, And if that could be true, if you would welcome us back in, we don't need a party, but a place at the table would be nice. Or some of us in this room today have been so eager for this moment. We've been thinking about it and dreaming about it for, for four or five years now. A church plant in Benson, where we live and work and play. Somebody wrote down their name today. Grateful for the challenge before us. Christ we pray, amen.